Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddow and wherever you're listening from, it's great to have you with us. And today I'm joined by two brilliant authors who know a thing or two about writing a page turner. My first guest is a Sunday Times bestselling author who's been writing for as long as she can remember. She worked as a lawyer before becoming a full-time writer and is also the co-host of the popular Honest Authors podcast. Here to tell us about her new novel, Wrong Place, Wrong Time, it's Gillian McAllister. Hello! Hello, thank you for having me. It's lovely to see you. Thanks very much for being here. Uh, My second guest is an international number one bestseller. Her books have been optioned for both film and TV, and she has published in more than 40 languages. Here to tell us about her brand, brand, brand new thriller, The It Girl, it's Ruth Ware. Welcome to you. Hello, thank you so much for having me. What an absolute treat. Um, and you two have been uh, having a little natter while I was just very rudely on the phone. Uh, do, you, do you know each other? Do I need to do intros or is this all good now? We're all friends. Oh, we know each other via social yeah, media. we do. Yeah. I don't think we've met, have we? No, I was just like, there's so many brilliant, you know, crime festivals and stuff. And I, I was just trying to remember if we'd ever hung out. But, um, yeah. but you know, I think mostly yeah. by Twitter and stuff. Yeah, we've blurbed each other's most recent books, so... Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh well, that's good. A bit of a bit of a fangirl fest. I apologise for that in advance. Well, same, that's fun, same. That's allowed. So no awkwardness here. No, like your proofs on my pile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and will any of you be at one of the many festivals happening this summer? Is there a chance we can all meet in person? Do you think? I think I'll be at Harrogate. Yeah, I'm not going to be at Harrogate this year, I don't think, um, because I'm touring America and coming back that weekend. Oh, sorry about you. Yeah, so so that would be that would be uh, fun, but exhausting. But I will be at bloody Scotland uh, if anyone's at that. So great. I I love the whole uh, the difference of touring. I'm talking like I've done it myself. This is purely from authors telling me the the difference when you tour the UK to America. It's like, oh, yeah, well, in the UK, you just hop a train or hop in the car and everything. And in America, you're like, this flight to this place, then I'm across the country, then I'm up there. I mean, it must be really tiring, Ruth. It's 
yeah i mean it's it's proper bonkers it's like a flight every single morning and an event every single evening um and yeah and it literally is like you kind of the way i've done it before is like down the east coast across the bottom up the west coast and then you fly back but yeah by the end of it because of course america you know has three time zones of its own let alone the fact that you're in still sort of recovering from british time Uh, by the end of it i was like i don't know what time it is i don't know what meal i'm supposed to be eating i don't know whether i'm hungry or airsick or exhausted so yeah (laughs) yeah which which is quite a whirlwind yeah um i can imagine and uh quite a whirlwind week for you recently Gillian, because not only did you publish your book you decided to also get married and move house that is what I did. That is what I did. <laughs> yes, very ill-advisedly. <laughs> We're probably going to get divorced. We take now. our hats off to you because the, you know, I'm sure you. Um, you got a whole year's a worth of stress over in one go, though, Gillian. There's got to be, you know, like the rest of the year. Surely, we'll just be playing safe. <laughs> I, I think so. I was just thinking it was so weird to like wake up on today, Monday, and not have to move all my possessions or sign 2,000 halfbacks or, you know, feed 150 people at a wedding. I was like, I could just like go on this podcast and then walk the dog. <laughs> oh, that's a, that sounds like a perfect Monday to me. Um, well, thank you both for being here. And for the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to talk about your brilliant new novels. We're going to get some reading recommendations from you of some things you've read and enjoyed recently. And of course, we will do The Book Off, where each of you gets three minutes to tell us about a book you love and you think that we should all read. Uh, We'll get to that, as I said, towards the end of the podcast. Firstly, let's talk about these brilliant books. Um, Gillian, Wrong Place, Wrong Time is your latest, which has just come out. And I was going to attempt to set this book up, but actually, I think I'd probably butcher it. So I'm going to just pass it over to you and ask if you could give us the the bracy, please. I can, I can. I feel well versed in this now. Um, So Wrong Place, Wrong Time tells the story of Jen, who is waiting up for her teenage son, Todd. Um, He's late. Uh, He arrives home on the street outside their house. And to her astonishment, he murders a complete stranger. Um, he's remanded, um, charged with murder, refuses a solicitor, confesses. Um, she returns home to what is now a crime scene, um, totally distraught. Um, her child was doing his A-levels. He was a nerd. Uh, he was really funny, like completely out of character. Um, and she wakes up on what she thinks is the next day, but it's actually the day before the murder. And Todd is in his bedroom and has no idea what she's talking about. And the next time she sleeps, she wakes up the day before that. Um, so she travels backwards day by day. And it asks the question, how do you stop a murder when it's already happened? You've done this before. I like it. See, I'm glad, I'm glad I gave that over to you <laughs> rather than trying to sort of find my way through it. Um, and uh, I want get, to get into a, a little bit more about the sort of... Um, genres in this book and the and the way the story's told but um it's it's set in and around Liverpool and I just wondered if that's a, a city that you know well or or why it was there that you were drawn to yeah I do now uh because I've been <laughs> a bit and I've done a bit of a tour there now um right. But um, basically, the reason is because I wanted to write a scene where Jen visits the Anthony Gormley exhibition uh, called Another Place, um, where there are 
I don't know, maybe 40 stone or bronze statues looking out to sea. And for me, it was a perfect metaphor for her aloneness and perhaps her imagined different versions of herself because she's totally displaced in space and time. Um, and they're all, she says, looking out to sea for answers. And I was sort of aware of that exhibition. And so when I wrote that scene, I thought the whole book has to be set here. Um, but it weirdly, fortuitously kind of worked out because it, it's got an organised crime element and it needed a port. That was very important. Um, and actually, there's a, currently a podcast um, I can't remember the title, but it's investigating. There's been two reports of people entering a time loop in the last year in Liverpool, uh, which they're <laughs> investigating. It's a paranormal podcast. It was like the perfect PR. Um, so, um, yeah, perhaps I've manifested something. <laughs> You have to get an interview on that podcast now. I know, with your I know. That's such a good yeah. idea. I will, uh, yeah, I will try to. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put those wheels in motion, yeah. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love those those Gormleys. I've seen them a couple of times and they're amazingly they're stunning. Yeah. Um, but also quite freaky. Yeah, quite eerie. Um and I mean, my my dog dropped her ball for one because she didn't know. She was like, looks like a person to me. And I think they are kind of that like weird sort of a bit uncanny. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll come back and talk a, a little bit more about Wrong Place, Wrong Time shortly. Um, Ruth, the It Girl is your brand new novel. It's, it's, it's so new, it's not even out till the 4th of August. Uh, but can you introduce us to, to Hannah and Will and perhaps set this story up for us? Yeah, so I feel I have to begin by saying it is the it girl, not the IT girl, as I've had some queries on social media. <laughs> the title is in all caps on the... Uh, and I think because I've written quite a bit about technology and sort of apps and stuff, a few people were like, IT? Uh, but no, it is the it girl, as in the 90s phenomenon of, of an it girl. Um, and yeah, it begins um, with... Uh, so it's split into two halves. There's a before section of the narrative and, a, and an after section. And the first scene in the novel is is from the before section. And it's my main character, Hannah, coming up to the room that she shares with her university uh, flatmate, um, April. Um, and she's walking up the stairs and she can tell something is wrong because the door is open when it should be closed. And she goes inside to find that April has been killed and strangled. Um, and then it switches to the after part of the narrative, which is 10 years later. Hannah's living in Edinburgh with her husband, Will. She's expecting his baby. Um, and the man that was convicted for April's murder, largely on Hannah's evidence, um, is, has just died in prison. And it should be this moment of catharsis for Hannah where she can finally put the past behind her. This is now a chapter that's closed. But in actual fact, what it, does is kind of crystallizes doubts that she's been sort of sitting on for more than 10 years and she finally starts to admit to herself that possibly she made a mistake and that her evidence sent an innocent man to jail and so that's the the rest of the story is sort of flicking back between back and forth between Hannah's memories of what happened 10 years ago at university and mm. her experience in the present as she tries to figure out uh, whether this guy did kill April and if not who did. And what was the spark of inspiration for this story Ruth? Well 
yeah, it's really hard to pin down. Some of my books have a really clear kind of inspiration point where I can sort of go, yes, it was that. <laughs> this one was much more, much more amorphous. But I think probably one significant chunk of it came from doing jury duty years ago. All right. Um, and um, the case I did was a really minor crime. It was completely different. But I was really surprised by the weight of responsibility that I felt and how much that preyed on me. And, you know, obviously you would take it seriously. It's an important duty. But it really did. Like, I, you know, I sort of lost sleep over it. And, and it's. I started to think, like, what that would feel like to have a role that was much more critical in a court case and in a court case with much higher stakes. And obviously, you know, here in the UK, we don't have the death penalty. So mm. it's not going to be someone's life on the line in quite the same way as it is in some countries. But the guy in the novel does end up dying in prison. So effectively, Hannah's evidence has taken away his whole life. And I'd written books too about characters who are kind of socially awkward and sort of found it hard to fit in. Um, and I tend to feel those people are sort of much more sinned against than sinning. You know, we, everybody makes preconceptions about other people based on their manner and, and how sort of socially adept they are. And I was interested in writing a book about someone who is from the outside, quite unprepossessing, um, quite awkward, um, mm. quite bullying in some ways, but how that feeds into other people's preconceptions about him and uh yeah eventually hannah's preconceptions sort of catch up with her and she realizes that she may have made some assumptions that were a bit more than sort of justified by the evidence mm. um jilly you were a, a lawyer for a while and there's often sort of le legal aspects in your book um but as i said earlier i want to talk about sort of the the genres uh, of this book because I think it was dubbed a psychological thriller, but it's it's sort of something else, really. And I just wondered if you had, you know, when you sit down, you kind of go, oh, I'm writing this book, or if it's just like, no, I'll, I'm, I'm writing what I want and someone else can attach a genre to it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I do think I've always been a little bit cross-genre. Um, like, a lot of my books are love stories really and the crime is mm. sort of used to put pressure on relationships or to sort of explore like it's very rare for me to write a whodunit you know I I so often write a book where you know exactly who did it and why on the first page and I sort of have other <laughs> concerns so um I think I've always been a little bit in between genre but I'm very sort of aware of that and I knew that this was a bit of a risk when I had the idea I, I knew it was sort of a big swing and it, it might go either way um but I think Groundhog Day and things like that are sort of so ubiquitous I think you can kind of play with them without really straying into sci-fi like it's still a crime novel really it's just a bit sort of deconstructed um <laughs> So I think it's, um, yeah, it, I, I do think it's a risk to mess with genre. And I have read some reviews that said she's moved into time travel. And I sort of thought, I'm not really, it's just a device, you know, to explore the things I usually explore. Uh, but I have made sure my next is, is not speculative in any way, uh, just to kind of nail my colours to the mast. <laughs> but I, well, I personally loved 
this slightly genre bending tale. Really. You know, for me, it was it's, it's very exciting, and also, like you say, playing with that Groundhog Day thing is um, is exciting. I think. Yeah, I mean, when I had the idea, I thought, how has nobody ever done this with kind of, rather than doing the same day over, just going backwards? Like, it felt quite yeah. sort of classic almost. And I sort of felt like it's so simple that I think a reader would be quite on board with it, especially if, you know, I tried to make it quite realistic within the confines of what is happening. Because, you know, Jen kind of goes to the doctor and she panics and she tries to prove it's happening to people. And that's what I would do in that situation. So it's sort of, I do think it still has realism in it. It just has a different kind of one law of the universe has changed, but you know, not loads, there's no aliens, etc. <laughs> I yeah. sort of thought in a way it was, it was a very classic kind of um, detective novel, but just sort of made yeah. literal, you know, because in a way that is what detectives do, isn't it? Yeah, they go digging so through true. the past, trying to yeah. find out what actually happened. Yeah. And and your character just does that in the most literal way. Like yeah. she's literally in the past trying to figure <laughs> out what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, a lot of people say it's sort of a crime novel told backwards, but really she's living, you know, Monday and then Sunday and then Saturday, but she's finding quite linear clues you know she finds a and then b and then c and she adds them up in a in a methodical order really so in many ways it's it's quite a classic structure she just finds clues and figures it out um so yes i think um i don't think it really strays into sci-fi but i agree it does it definitely doesn't know what genre it is (laughs) (laughs) um Ruth, how does it feel sat here, you know, maybe, what, what are we now, a couple of months away from publication? It's that, it must be that sort of exciting time, but also you're like, okay, come on, let's let's get this book out now. How are you feeling at the moment? Um, oh, I always say this is the absolute worst time. Oh, right. <laughs> like, it should, it should be exciting. And in a way, it should feel great because, you know, you've done all the hard work. There's a bit of a lull until the book yeah. comes out. Um, but... I personally find it the most stressful period because the book's done. You can't make it any better. You know, it is what it is for better or worse, but not many people have read it yet. So there's that kind of, it's a bit like that feeling of, you know, when you've sat your exams and you know that the dice is rolled, like whatever, you know, your your answers are set in stone. There's nothing you can change, but you're waiting to find out the marks. So <laughs> I feel a bit like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm waiting on my GCSE results all over again. <laughs> It's about the right time for GCSEs as well, when it your, your child will be getting theirs and you'll be getting yours. <laughs> exactly. I think it'll be good marks all round, Ruth. Don't worry. Um, Thank you. Very good. <laughs> uh, I always like to ask my guests what they've been reading and enjoying recently, because we all love getting book recommendations. Um, I imagine, Ruth, that you've probably found some time to read, having sort of handed in the novel that's going to be published soon. So is there anything you've read and enjoyed recently that you want to give a shout out to? Oh, what have I... See, this is where my mind always goes a complete blank. Mine too, which is well, why I love asking people. <laughs> yeah, pass I, it over <laughs> to someone else. Um, I, of course, I did I did say that there was going to be a certain amount of fangirling. I did really love Gillian's. I thought it was incredibly inventive. It was one of those um, premises where I thought, damn it, I wish I'd, I'd written that. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, another writer who genre bends very successfully, uh, Sarah Pimber. I just finished her new one, Insomnia, yes. mm. uh, which is really, really good. The ending is great, especially for people who've read Behind Her Eyes. Um, I'm currently reading Erin Kelly's new one, which isn't out yet, The Skeleton Key, which is really good, really gothic, really spooky. So, yeah, having a good lovely. run of it. Yeah, lovely mix. Great. Thank you so much. What about you, um, Gillian? Have you managed to read anything in between publishing a book, <laughs> moving house, getting married? <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I have a bit. I've I've weirdly been reading Tana French's backlist um, <laughs> because okay. I have yeah I, I had about three of hers I'd never read so I just kind of read them all. I think I just read Broken Harbor, which is just exceptional. Um, I've read Ruth, which I loved, um, and I've also I just read Again Rachel by Marianne Keys, which you know it's not a crime novel, but I thought it was so. I don't know if either of you read it, but it is so moving mm. and uh, she just... It is, yeah. You know, God knows how many books in she is, but she just never phones it in. Like, that book would have sold as a debut to an unknown. Um, it just, it's phenomenal. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend that one. It's brilliant. She was on um, an earlier episode of this very podcast talking about it, Gillian, and uh-huh. um, we, yeah, I, I read it just before um, we had our chat and I was, I mean... It was. I, I literally was so stunned at how good it was. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was like, "Oh too. right." I wasn't expecting it, not because I just thought, yeah. you know, Marianne Keys wouldn't deliver, but I just wasn't expecting to be as into it as I was. I think she just she over delivered. Like, just yeah, it was one of the best books I've read in recent times, really. Um, so yeah, <laughs> and it was so anticipated. It, as you say, it would have been so easy for her to just, you know, I think. People, we'd all buy the phone book if Marion yeah. had written it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and she to could go back to those characters as well, you know, that's, yeah. a, that's quite a big decision. Um, yeah, really to brave to find story. new things to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so all round, yeah. yeah, an absolute winner. Lovely. Thank you for those recommendations. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
And now it's time for the book off, which is where each of you gets three minutes to tell us about a book you love that you think we should all read. And this book can be anything. It can be new, old, it can be fiction, non-fiction, poetry, children's books. It can be anything you want as long as you love it and think we should all read it. So before we uh, get into these, we're going to do a little bit of admin. Um, and as you are um, technically travelling the furthest here, Gillian, from where you are, you get to decide if you go first or second. Definitely first. <laughs> <laughs> With no hesitation. <laughs> and Ruth, um, as I said, you both have three minutes if you want to use them. You don't have to, but if you're still speaking... As we cross the three-minute mark, I'm either going to be ringing you out with the school bell or honking you out with the horn. So which one would you like at your three minutes? Oh, blimey. Uh, I think the horn would be marginally less scary for me. (laughs) (laughs) No problem at all. Uh, Right, I'm going to put three minutes on the clock then. And before we launch into it, Gillian, just tell us the book that you're putting forward. It's Impossible by Sarah Lotz. All right, then. So it's three minutes on the clock, if you want it, uninterrupted, to tell us all about Impossible. Over to you. So Sarah Lotz uh, wrote a book that I loved years ago called The Three, um, which was massively high concept, partly because it was about three aeroplanes that downed at the same time, each containing one survivor, but mostly because the entire novel was told through sort of secondary sources. So is it secondary, primary? But, um, you know, emails, MSN chats, as it were, um, that kind of thing. So there was no, you know, a bit like the appeal, there was no actual linear narrative. Um, And I find her very creative and quite genre bending. And Impossible is billed as a rom-com. And interestingly, in the UK, they hide the twist on it. But I... um, I'm going to reveal it because in America they they reveal it and I think it's uh, I think it's necessary to pitch it. But um, so it tells the story of B and Nick and it opens up with only emails and they meet because he sends her a really offensive email not meant for her um, and she replies to it. And what follows is again no narrative, just emails, really zingy banter of these two people falling in love. Um, And they try to meet um, at, I think it's Euston Station in London. And this is the twist. What they realise is they were both at Euston Station and they both prove it, but they couldn't see each other because they are not in the same multiverse. Um, And actually, Nick lives in a world where... um, So in Britain, they use euros in his world, for example. Trump has never been in power. Um, So he is living in a kind of utopia. She is living in the present day slash dystopia. So it has a little bit of a political bent, but it's absolutely a love story about whether they can ever meet. Um, And the, the most astonishing thing it does is that they meet the other version of the person they're talking to who exists in their world, and that is the midpoint. So there's actually four of them all together. Um, and I just thought that was totally genius. And it has an excellent payoff. And it is explained at the end. So there's no kind of damp squib there either. So yeah, I highly recommend. Fantastic. 
Uh, oh, with wow. 30 seconds to spare as well. On. Yeah, brought that in. No problem. Uh, fabulous. I absolutely love Sarah Lotz, and I got to um, have a chat with her quite recently before this book was published. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's broke. I'm going to come back and talk about <laughs> it shortly, Gillian, but you can take a rest now, have a breather. Uh, have another sip of tea. Uh, I'm putting three minutes back on the clock for you, Ruth. But before we start, just tell us the book you're putting forward, please. Um, so the book that I'm putting forward is My Sister, the Serial Killer by Oyink and Braithwaite. Love it. All righty. Three minutes on the clock then to tell us about My Sister, the Serial Killer. Over to you. Well, it's a book that I read a little while ago. It came out, I think, sort of about three or four years ago. Um, but the characters have really stayed with me to the extent I sort of sometimes just think about them as I'm going about my daily business. Um, and it's a book about it's a book about murder. Um, it's a book about families, um, but specifically it's a book about sisters and sisterhood. Um, and as a big sister myself, that's something that I am fascinated by. I find sister bond really moving um and it's something that I'm writing about at the moment which is maybe why it's sort of in the forefront of my imagination um but the premise is um that the main character Coretti uh she's the elder sister and her very beautiful younger sister has killed uh three men um and she has an explanation for each of them you know it was always they were attacking her or something happened or it wasn't her fault um but the third man is the point at which apparently by definition you become a serial killer and so the third man is is the one that sort of uh tips her over the edge into uh Coretti over the edge into admitting that her sister maybe has a bit of a problem um and Coretti has been cleaning up for her sister in the most literal way like literally bleaching bathroom floors scrubbing things down um and I just it's like it's funny it's quite dark um it's very moving um it's not in any way a whodunit although it's a book about crime and the effects of crime um and I think I'm fascinated by books that make you simple sympathize with the criminal and want them to get away with it and this for me was definitely that like I sympathized with Coretti a great deal but I also wanted her because I I liked her so much I wanted her sister to get away with the murder and not be banged up um so I won't reveal what happens it's got uh, some nice reveals and twists at the end um but I highly recommend it and bonus it's really short it's a beautiful little uh quick little read um in a world where there are lots of chunky books so (laughs) perfect for a a flight or a train journey fantastic another Mm -hmm. another great pitch and you brought it in at two minutes 20 ruth so that was uh excellent work like the book short but sweet (laughs) short but sweet yes indeed um what a great book it is, uh, and I'll come back and, and talk to you uh, about it in just a moment. Returning, though, Gillian, to Sarah Lotz. Um, I loved your pitch for this. Um, and it's I'd sort of not thought about the book for a little while, and then it's all come back to me because it it's, it's one of those ones, I suppose, you know, and we were talking about genre bending earlier with your book, mm. but, like, it's one of those things that on paper you kind of go, oh, right, oh, right, okay. Um, yeah and then when you read it yeah you're like oh she's done it and I'm totally there and I'm I'm with the character I know I always think sometimes it is easier just to execute it and be like I know it sounds mad but here it is um yeah (laughs) you know I think sometimes 
the the best books are that way, but you need people to have faith. I yeah, think. and I think you know it, it, it could have been so easy, not necessarily for Sarah, but for an author to just write the love story yeah. version of that. You know, the wrong email gets yeah. sent, and then a relationship strikes up. But to actually then go, no, 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 that's the that's the very beginning, and that's how we're going to bring these people together. But I'm going to take it this step further. It's like okay. Now we're, yeah, now we're and really I, I always admire that. Like, I sort of, it's it's a risk-taking author, isn't it? And I just think, it's like I recently read um, Together by Julie Cohen, which I'd not read before, but it, it takes a massive risk at the end. There's a huge payoff and it's really dark, but um, I won't spoil it for people, but I do just admire, even if sometimes you think bloody hell like I just think I admire it because even if it's off the wall like it's way more interesting than a lot of stuff that's out there yeah I I really enjoyed it and I loved your pitch for it and um as you said you know there's it, it is a love story but there's there's so much more to it and there's an excellent payoff as well so um great pitch thank you for reminding me of that one because it is it is quite a new book but i i read it a little while ago so it's nice to have thought about that again um and ruth uh i absolutely love my sister the serial killer um i remember when it first came out reading it because it, as you say it's so short the chapters as i recall are really short as well they're really punchy um and i had the great pleasure of having um oyenkin on this very podcast and talking about it um i love that you sort of got something from the sister you know the, the sort of sisters in the story and the, the sisterhood part of it which i do think is very important because um it isn't just a sort of mad book about someone who kills people you know there's a lot more to it uh, as you said and it is funny like the, the dark yeah it's the sort really of dark funny humor is funny it's not unintentionally funny because you can see that Oyenkin Braithwaite is completely in control at all times. Yes. But it sort of feels unintentionally funny because like this <laughs> awful stuff happens and you're kind of you're you're sort of wincing and laughing at the same time. Yeah, it's it is. It it, it sort of conjures that that mix of emotions which feels weird, but also like it's as you say, it's just sort of, sort of so enjoyable and puts you, uh, you know, really. Um, gunning for the sister you know you really sort of find find yourself being on her side um yeah and in in this wonderful world where we've got so many things going on it's nice to have a sort of short sharp book to uh, uh get to as well wow what a great great pictures from both of you thank you and two fab books um it's not often i've read both of the books that have been pitched and I'm often sort of writing notes to myself thinking, oh, that sounds good, I'm just going and in this case I've read them both and I just, oh, <laughs> just even tougher but I think I think we're going to go with my sister the serial I think that's the winner, Ruth you've just picked it you just picked it um, but I, having read them both and listening to your fab pictures, I can recommend both of these to anyone listening because they're really, really great. Very different books uh, in, in many ways, but they are really good uh, and well worth a read. And two other books I can recommend to you are Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Gillian McAllister, which is out now and it's published by Michael Joseph, and The It Girl by Ruth Ware, which is coming in August, uh, August the 4th, I believe, published by Simon Schuster and available to pre-order now. I'm certain, Ruth, you can probably go somewhere and press a button that means it will arrive in the post uh, on the 4th of August. Absolutely, yeah. 
<laughs> um, what an absolute pleasure to have you both here. Thank you for your recommendations. Thanks for spending this time and look forward to seeing you in person, hopefully later in the year at one of the many literary festivals. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Joe. This was awesome. Thank you both. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.